Welcome to the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell. Um, you know, we always try to talk about things that um, are happening in the community that affect the community. And today, it's going to be a little tough, tough subject. Um, you know, about a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had an incident in Sykeston that took the life of a young lady that has um, affected many lives within our community. And we have this weight, it seems, that is on our community right now because of what happened. Uh, it was an unfortunate incident. Uh, it involved one of our police officers, someone that we hold to a higher accountability, someone that many of us know and trust, and a bad decision was made, and that decision led to the loss of a life. Um, it led to uh, many injuries uh, to several people, and um, that injury continues to go out, if you will, um, toward their loved ones because mentally it injured a lot of people. And so we're going to have a very real and honest conversation today, um, and it could be tough to listen to. Uh, it's going to be tough to talk about, but we kind of feel like it's something that we need to discuss within our community. And so we're talking with Tanya Adams today. Tanya is a licensed clinical social worker for Boot Hill Counseling Services. She's been on the show before. And so, Tanya, welcome back, and thanks for, for coming back on. Thank you for having me. I wish it was a lighter subject, right? But this is really, you know, something, and we were talking before before we started, this is a heavy subject. It's weighing heavy on the community. And what what are just your initial thoughts um, as to how this is affecting Sykeston? Yeah. So from my kind of perspective, I've seen it kind of been a community trauma that's happened. Um, I think our community as a whole is heavily invested in this situation. Um, I've seen a lot of talk just personally. I've seen it on the news and social media. I think it's a little bit of everywhere, and everybody's had an opinion and something to say on it. So I think just widespread, it's impacted a lot of people. You know, back in the day before Internet, before computers, (laughs) before all these things, you'd have coffee shop talk or the barbershop talk or the – you know, beauty shop talk, right? Yes. And typically, that's a few people talking about a certain subject. Right. Because of social media, because of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff that's out there, we can talk about this nonstop, and and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. Does that in some way impact more negative than what it might have been 20 years ago because we weren't having such a conversation in a in a uh, uh, massive way i absolutely think so i think um it just perpetuates ruminating on the event and talking about it over and over and over so it's harder to have some sort of closure around the the episodes that have happened and just anything that happens that's traumatic that it's being passed around on social media you know pictures are being shared and different you know comments on things so yeah i think now it is more widespread because it impacts so many more people it's being all kinds of information is going out outside of our community. So, you know, back in the day, it may not have made it as far as it would now because the information is there and people just click a button and it's no telling where. So. Yeah. And, it's, and I was having a conversation recently with someone and, and we were talking about social media and that sort of thing. And I said, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you're watching the debate. You had a thought in your mind. 
you weren't calling up all of your friends to tell them that one thing that you had on your mind. Right. You just pretty much kept it to yourself. But right. now, because of social media, we just throw it out there for anyone and everyone to see. And the thing, I think the thing that bothers me the most about it is the knee-jerk reaction that people will have to a certain situation, especially one like this, right? Um, getting information out, even though as if we're the news crew. Right. And it may not be accurate. It may, And that seems to cause more problems, more grief, right, than what Absolutely. should be. Yeah. I think it, it's hurtful for the families involved because, you know, sometimes information hits social media before even the entire family finds out what has happened. So I think that is extremely detrimental, you know, when we're talking about grief or a tragedy and information's going out before people who are actively involved in it can even say, you know, this happened or what. So I think just having that there and so many people wanting to be the first person to report that this happened, I, I think it's kind of damaging. So you have a community that's grieving, yes. essentially. Yes. You know, um, either you knew the police officer involved, yes. and not for full disclosure, I do, right? Um, I've known him for a while. Um, or you knew the other family, right? Or the other people in the other, you know, in the police officer's vehicle. Yes. You know, which one was a son and one was a friend. Yes. And so you have this community that's grieving. How does a community, I mean, we can talk individually, and we will in a few moments, but as a community, how do you kind of move forward from something like this? So there's this theory, it's called post-traumatic growth, and basically it kind of works around when something traumatic has happened, either individually or in a community as well. So what we see is when things like this happen, people band together and they maybe inspect the way things have been done. What can we do to prevent something like this from happening again? What can we do now to help to promote safety in the community? How do we go about handling this so we don't find ourselves back in this situation again? And then, you know, that growth that happens, that's the part that allows us to heal and to to just really just heal from the grief and try to figure out what we can do to prevent this from happening again. So essentially what you're trying to do is to find some way to turn this extremely negative, horrible incident into more of a positive, if, if you can. And it might not even make it up to a positive. Maybe we get up to a neutral, you know, yeah. it, just finding something that we can get out of this from a community to go forward and to do better. Yeah, positive probably wasn't the right word to use, but you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, you're trying to yeah. find some good yes. in, in, in something, somewhere that you can say, this was a really horrible incident of something that just, you know, still boggles our minds how this could happen. What do we do to make sure it happen again, and then yes. and then to find that way, and everyone working together, yes, right, in order to make that happen. Yes, and I think when tragedies like this happen in communities, and you know, we have a smaller community, so we're probably more tight knit than other communities, anyways. But I think tragedies like this, they have a, a way of bringing people closer together. Um, so I think those relationships that maybe become a little bit better and more positive, and how can we? 
use those relationships to heal our community. I think that might be the most positive thing that could come out of something like this. And I think you you really hit the nail on the head when you say we're a smaller community, right? Because we have Sykeston, but then we also have Morehouse and Matthews and Madron, these other little places, and then we're all connected in some way, shape, or form. And, um, you know, it's it's affecting more than just Sykeston. Absolutely. Because these people came from all these different places. Yeah. It's affecting those communities as well. Yes. Yes. So as a community then, what what's like step number one? Like I mean, I don't know if you have that answer, but I mean how, like where do you where does a community begin to try to heal from something? Because I, I, I do want to talk individually in, yeah. in, you know, in, in a little bit, but as a community, how do, how do, what's that first step and that this, we take? The similarities between the community and the, the individual, they're, they're going to be there. You know, it's going to be similar. But I think taking this step forward as a community, you know, we're all going to have to process the grief because this has been extremely traumatic to everyone that's been involved in it because of just the circumstances around it. So just taking a moment to to let it out, get the grief out, and then say, okay, let's let's try to do something to move on, to improve relationships, to, to get back to where we were. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things, too, that I... I watch and find interesting is the laying of the blame right so there's things i don't want to talk about because i don't i'm i'll get on a soapbox i don't want to do that but i do want to kind of talk about you know i know you've read chief mcmillan's um you know article in the newspaper and so and so have i and you know the common thread is that for the most part we're good people but what separates us is the decision that we make in life one where we could live perfectly normal not get in trouble type life Mm -hmm. And then we make one decision at one moment in time yes. that completely changes us. And and when that happens, what I see, especially with social media, is how the bandwagon jumps on that opportunity. And that really, to me, is not very helpful in the healing process. I agree completely. And I, I do think, you know, everybody makes bad decisions sometimes. It's just humans you know that's what we do that's what we do and to have those broadcasted all across social media i i think you're absolutely right it doesn't do anything to promote healing it allows us to sit in our grief and our anger and it just kind of festers and it just gets worse which is not what we're going for. Right. I mean, right. I mean, to move forward, we and, and I guess it, the stages of grief. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. In my own, I don't know if I'm on track or not. You're, <laughs> but you know, I've I've heard read about the stages, and and it seems like that's just part of it. But right. again, uh, not to harp on social media, but those things really just make it worse because we again we see something, we then we go, like, oh, that's absolutely right, and we like it, and the yes. next thing we're sharing it or we're giving our own comment to it, and it just continues to snowball downhill. Right, I agree completely. We're talking about not really about the incident itself that took place a few weeks ago, but we're talking about the aftermath, and that is the grief that comes around, the questions, the emotions that are kind of draw up uh, from an incident like this. And, Tanya, we've talked about the community and how the community reacts or the, the, what the community needs to do. Let's talk individually because we have a husband who was lost, yeah. you know, a wife, very young, yeah. right, which just brings you to tears automatically. Um, parents have lost a daughter. Uh, grandparents who have lost a granddaughter or it's a loss of a niece or a friend. 
Then there's the other side, right? There is the bad decision that was made. Um, there is the police officer who continues to recover from his own injuries. He is going to have now to live the rest of his life knowing what he's done. Um, you have the other occupants in the vehicles that had nothing to do with the decisions that were made that night but are affected for the rest of their life as well. Right. Then you have the police officers, the EMS crews, the people that show up on the scene who are emotionally invested because of one of theirs yeah. is lying on the ground. Um, you have the neighbors in that neighborhood. I mean, we can just keep going on and on. So many people are affected by this. How, where, where does an individual start? And try, first processing all of this, I guess, and trying yeah. to come up with the, the question that we always want to ask is why. Right. I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. There's so many people involved, and this is such a tragic situation. And from my point of view, it's going to be very important for a lot of people to be able to reach out and say, I need help. Because this is just absolutely traumatic, and it's very difficult to process. And I know if I were in that situation, I would need help being able to process the emotions and the feelings connected to what happened. And so I would encourage people to reach out and say, you know, I think I might need to talk to someone. And because there's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist. We're pretty cool people. You know, most For of the us. most part. Most of us. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of where I would start is realizing the point where, you know, I don't think I can process this alone. And there's so many people that are impacted by this. And, you know, grief is complicated in itself. But when you have so many family members that have lost someone so young, it's it's even more complicated. And, you know, typically... We rely on our friends and our families when we're struggling. So maybe usually we could go to our spouse or our best friend, but now they're in a situation where they're grieving as well. Mm. So it's hard to be able to talk to those people because they're in the same situation that you are. So that's why it's important to reach out to professionals that can kind of help you through the grief process. And it is difficult because, again, because we're talking about so many people affected by yeah. this one incident. Yeah. You know, I want to call my best friend. Oh, wait, they're grieving just as I am. I want to yeah. call my parents. Oh, well, they're grieving just as I am. And that, you know, that moment where you're trying to figure it out and knowing it's time to talk to someone. And we live in a different culture today, right? Yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago, we would just go, hey, listen, you'll get over it sooner or later. You just got to fight through it and, you know, toughen up and move on. But we know better now. And yeah. we know that talking to people is important and getting over that stigma is still there, right? Absolutely. It's still there. There is a stigma about, you know, not wanting to go reach out for help, but it's okay. You know, people need that, especially around something like this. Just having somebody that is a third party person that's not involved in it that can sit there and objectively listen and provide, you know, guidance through the process. It, it, you know, it helps a whole lot to be able to have that. Cause that's what you're, you're doing, right? You're yeah. guiding people along yes. in like a self discovery of what's going on. Yes. That is exactly how it works. You're not Mrs. Fix it. 
No, I definitely am not Miss Fix-It. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, it's more of a guidance to help people realize, you know, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, um, you know, how to cope with things maybe a little bit differently or better, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, obviously, you know, calling Boot Hill Counseling Services is a start, right? To, yeah. But how do you encourage people you know, because it's not the first thought that we have. No, it's not. <laughs> um, well, you know, we provide therapy, but there's also a, a grief and loss group here in town as well. So that's somewhere that people could reach out to. There's a crisis hotline that they could call and they could be anonymous. There's also a text line people can text out to. There's so many different things. You know, we talked about technology and how it, it makes things kind of manifest and be worse but it also is beneficial because there's so much more access to reach out to people to get help that you need so there's lots of different alternatives well you know i mean there are good things to technology yeah, right yeah. But, uh, there's also some bad things unfortunately <laughs> but um so let, let's say i'm a friend that's not grieving per se as as you know my best friend or right. whoever like how can i be of help to that person like how can i because I don't want to be the counselor, because right. I'm not a counselor, but yeah. what can I do to help? Listen. You know, a lot of times that's what people need. Um, I think as humans, we tend to want to fix everything, but sometimes people just really need someone to sit there and listen. They don't expect you to be able to fix it. Just having someone to listen and let them kind of vent to, I think that's very helpful. Hmm. And then if you as a friend have concerns, vocalize, you know, have you considered going to talk to somebody and just kind of downplay that stigma. Let's get rid of the stigma, you know, let's support people and get them the help that they need. You know, it's uh, I am I am a Mister Fix It, right? Somebody tells me a problem, I go, oh, let's just sit down, let's let's work it out right now, right? right? And and that's kind of who I am, and I've had to learn over the years to stop doing that, yeah. right? Just to sit and be an uh, you know, listen, be an active listener, participate yes. in the conversation, but really just listen to what someone has to say, because I think more times than not. People just want to get it off their chest. I agree. And I think it just it feels so much better to just get it out and to have somebody listen. Because, you know, from for myself, when I want to talk about something, that's all I want to do. I just want to get it out. You know, I don't need you to tell me what I need to do to fix it. I just want to talk and get it off my chest. So, so yeah, I think that's a really good place to start is just listen. And and ultimately, too, I think, you know, the point of of, of – having this conversation isn't just about uh, for me anyway not just about community healing or individual healing but you know those dark places that we can get into can lead us to absolutely. even darker places absolutely and that's where i think i don't want people to get to yeah yeah um when we experience trauma a lot of times you know if we don't have strong healthy coping skills and people to support us it's easy to fall into negative type behaviors that lead to more problems down the road it it happens a lot yeah because you don't see the end result i guess right yeah. the, the you know what happens beyond this point right. i'm i'm at the lowest point i've ever been in my life and you don't see that way out of it right and a lot of you know negative behaviors that people fall into they they stem from not being able to cope with healthy coping skills, you know, that's the only ways that they know how to handle these emotions and that kind of 
starts even to become more of a problem. Tanya, if somebody wants to know more, has questions, what's the number they can call? Um, so our office number at Boot Hill is 4710800, and then there is a text crisis line that anyone can text at any time, and it's 741741. And it stays between that person, whoever they're talking to. This is not, you know, it doesn't get out. It doesn't. Right. It know, is confidential. It's yeah. all confidential. It's what yes. I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Tanya, I really appreciate you coming in. And we kind of talked about it, you know, just to set this up. And, and so I really appreciate you coming in and talk about it. Really heavy subject. And, I mean, yeah. you know, I think we can both tell from looking at each other. We're just, you <laughs> yeah. know, we're, we're, we're it's, it's all weighing, it's weighing heavy on everyone at this point. So thanks again. Tanya Adams, licensed clinical social social worker with Boot Hill Counseling Services, please call them and let them help you work through whatever it is that you're feeling um, right now. They can help you do that, okay? And listen, I want you to share this talk show with other people. It's on iTunes and Podbean. Uh, use social media for good things. Share this and let people hear what Tanya has to say, okay? Thanks for joining us on the talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell. <laughs>